0: Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore Scripture and delve into the Word of God. God, do it again. And God has blessed us over the last 40 years. And when we look into the future, we have confidence. God is going to do awesome things in our lives and through this church. And we're blessed that we get to be a part of it. And over the last number of weeks, we were talking about who this awesome God is. And I don't know about you, but it was just worship and awe in my heart. As we took time to understand how awesome our God is. Listen, Motodo Church, there is no one else like our God. He has no rival. He has no equal. No one comes close to who our God is. And I want you to live in awe of our God every single day of your life. And I want you to look to him and fix your eyes on him and trust him to do incredible things in his life. And this year we're saying, awesome God, do it. Again, In a couple of weeks, it's going to be Easter. And it's an amazing season of the year where we get to celebrate the resurrection of our king. God is not dead. God is alive and well. And the grave could not contain him. The devil couldn't hold him down. The Bible says as he hung on the cross, he made a public spectacle of the enemy. And then he lay in that grave for three days. But after three days, he rose from the dead. He is alive and well. And I tell you what, I cannot wait for that Easter celebration service. When we will stand here and say, he is not dead. He is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. But over the next couple of weeks leading up to Easter, We want to walk the journey with Jesus all the way from the garden in Gethsemane to the cross. And we're going to spend a few moments just entering those moments with Jesus. And we want to pay special attention to some of the words that Jesus said, some of his final words. And I tell you, the things that Jesus said in those final hours are loaded with incredible truth. And I believe over the next couple of days, Days and weeks, we are going to hear God speak to us in such a powerful way. I believe that there is chains that he wants to break. I believe that there is purpose that he wants to unleash. I believe he wants to speak to you and your family. And so come with an expectant heart. Come ready to learn and lean in on some of Jesus' final words because I believe your life will not be the same again we're going to spend time in some of Jesus' final words from Gethsemane to the cross. Words are powerful. I remember during the lockdown, Pastor James from Motodo Church Lubowa overseeing the Southern District, together we were locked down in Zambia. And we would listen in to the presidential address. And there is a word we were always waiting for. We would wait for him to say that word. Do you remember that word? And that word was, therefore. Therefore. And when he said therefore, what he was about to say, either meant we had an extra 21 days of lockdown, or there was freedom. And then he would say, There will be another 21 days as we continue to look it. And then he will tell you about the last 30 years and the last 10 years and the progress of the nation so far. And we all listened out for that one word, thereafter. Words are powerful. One of the most famous words spoken by a leader from the United States, the late Martin Luther King who spoken, he said, I have a dream. And those words inspired a generation. They inspired a nation. They rallied a people around this idea of the nation that they could be and the future that was possible. Words are powerful. And over the next couple of weeks, I want you to open the pages of the Bible with me. I want us to pay attention to the words that Jesus said because listen, there are no greater words than the word of Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. Jesus, we come with anticipation to hear what you want to say. And we have confidence every time we open the Bible, you are going to speak to us. So Lord, our hearts are open and our minds are ready to hear you speak. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen and Amen. Today, we are in the Garden of Gethsemane with Jesus. And we're leaning into the words that Jesus said. Not my will, but yours be done. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, this is how Luke's gospel captures it. Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus says these words in the garden of Gethsemane after he's come from the last supper with his disciples. We experienced it a few moments ago in communion. Shared the last supper. He broke bread. Gave it to his disciples. He passed the cup around. They drank. They sang hymns. It was at that last supper. That Jesus exposed Judas. Because he was going to betray him. And as they left that place. Jesus said listen you guys are going to leave me all alone. And Peter jumped out He said, no, Jesus, we won't leave you alone. In fact, if I die, I die. Jesus said, listen, today, before the end of the day, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. The Bible says then they went from that place to get ceremony. And we pick it up in verse 32 to 41 of Mark 14. The Bible says, they went to a place called Gethsemane. It was a garden at the foot of the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing again that this hour might pass from him. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They didn't know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. Here comes my betrayer. What a moment. What a moment that was. And friends, if there ever was a moment where the humanity of Jesus is displayed, it is here in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was experiencing incredible stress and anguish. Luke describes it this way in Luke chapter 22 and verse 44. He said, his sweat, Jesus' sweat, was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Extreme pressure, extreme anxiety, extreme stress. And this stress was caused by the events that he knew lay ahead of him the much-dreaded moment of hanging on that cross was now near. And Jesus experiences the pressure of knowing what is about to happen to him. Now, Jesus had spoken about these things to his disciples. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 22, he said, The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. These words were just about to come true. In Matthew 20 verse 28, Jesus said, Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus knew the hour had come. Jesus knew the scriptures. He knew what Isaiah had written about the moments that were just ahead of him. Isaiah described in detail the brutality that was ahead of him. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3 to 10, he wrote, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering. And familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God. Stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. And with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. Isaiah was describing the brutality that awaited Jesus. And that's why Jesus cried out to his Father. We read it in verse 36. Of Mark 14, Abba Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Do you hear the stress in his voice? The pressure that he was under. I want us to lean in to those words. Jesus prayed, he said, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. The question is, what cup was Jesus talking about? And why does he refer to it? Now, it's important for us to understand that in the ancient Near East, the cup was used as a metaphor, as a symbol of the fate of one's life, either for good or for bad. It was a picture of blessing or of judgment. In fact, King David in Psalm 23 verse 5 to 6 gives us a picture and he uses the metaphor of a cup that's overflowing to describe a life that is blessed by God. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My cup overflows with the blessing of God. Because I put my trust in him. I have looked to him. The cup is a picture of God's blessing. But God, while speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, uses the cup as a metaphor of his judgment upon wicked nations. In Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 15, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. God was sending Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations that were wicked and he was to announce God's wrath upon them because they had rejected him. In this instance, the cup is a picture of God's wrath that is to be poured out. Jesus, while in the garden of Gethsemane, say, take this cup from me. And in that prayer, he helps us understand what the cup was. And what the content of that cup was in the New Living Translation of Mark chapter 14, verse 36, puts it this way. Jesus prayed, take this cup of suffering away from me. It was a cup of suffering. Jesus was going to experience, Jesus was going to suffer under the wrath of God. Jesus was going to experience the anger of Of God. Now sometimes when we begin to talk about God as a God of wrath, it is hard for us to comprehend. But the Bible does record for us many instances where God poured out his wrath in Genesis chapter 6. Mankind was so sinful, so wicked. God was so angry. He destroyed everything with a flood except Noah, his family, and the animals in the ark. Everything else was destroyed. In Genesis 19, Sodom and Gomorrah, completely destroyed by God. He poured out his wrath, brimstone, fire. of fire. It was, it was a day of anguish. God poured out his anger because they were extremely wicked. In Numbers chapter 16, Moses was God's man appointed to lead the children of Israel. And a team of guys led a revolt against Moses. The ground opened up and swallowed them. In the New Testament Acts chapter 5 Ananias and Sapphira were not truthful about the proceeds from the selling of a property. Ananias lied He died. His wife was given the opportunity to speak truthfully. She lied. She died. God poured out his wrath upon them. It is from that same cup of God's wrath that Jesus is going to drink. He understands. No one else understands the wrath of God like the Son of God. And he dreaded that moment. He knew what was coming, the beatings, the brutality. The Bible says he was beaten beyond recognition. He knew the pain that was ahead of him. And so he prayed, take this cup away from me. You see, friends, the reason Jesus was going to experience the wrath of God is according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He, the son of God who was spotless and sinless, would become sin for us. He would take on the sin of the world. And God's anger towards sin would be laid upon the son. Isaiah 53 says, the punishment for sin was laid on him. He knew what was coming. He knew the anger. He knew the fury. He was about to experience. He prayed, take this cup away from me. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 tells us it's a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God incurring his judgment and wrath. Sin is rebellion to God. And sin attracts God's wrath. Jesus became sin. He carried the sin of the world in his body. And he knew the wrath he was about to experience. In that garden, he prayed, Take this cup away from me. But even while knowing what was ahead, under such pressure, under such stress, Jesus still prayed in that same breath, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. What did Jesus mean? Jesus was saying, My desire is that I don't experience your wrath. But, Father, I willingly choose that your will be done. What was the will of the Father? The will of the Father was this, that the Son would drink the cup of His wrath so that humankind, you and I, would be spared the wrath of God. That the Son would drink from the cup of His Father's anger so that you and I would be spared the anger of the Father and instead would be extended the grace, the kindness, the mercy, the compassion, the forgiveness of God that leads to salvation. The Son, the will of the Father was that the Son would drink the cup of His wrath so that you and I would drink from the cup of salvation. See, the will of the Father is that all will be spared His wrath. That all would be saved. John chapter 3 and verse 16 to 17. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. But to save the world through Him. What an awesome God we serve. Jesus knew this, he knew that God's eternal plan was to save us from sin, that it was to rescue us and so in that moment, he chose to submit to the will of his father, he had power, he had authority when they came in that garden to arrest him and they asked him are you Jesus, he said I am here and they fell down. He had power. He could call on a legion of angels. He could deal with them in that moment. But he said, not my will. But your will be done. Because I know you love them. I know you want to save them. I know that your heart is for them and not against them. I know that you want to spare them wrath. So I am willing to drink the cup of your wrath. I am willing to become sin so that they might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, Jesus loves the Father and he will always do the will of the Father. So Paul the Apostle writes to us and he tells us in Philippians chapter 2. In verse 6 to 8, though he was God, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Not my will, but yours be done. He emptied himself. We see the humanity of Jesus. Take this cup away from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. He was vulnerable, he was struggling. And those who were meant to be with him were drifting off in sleep. They didn't understand the stress that he was going through. But he chose, not my will, but your will be done. And so the son took the cup of the father's wrath so that ours would now be the cup of salvation. What an awesome God we serve. What a gracious God we serve. He took it upon himself and God spared us. What we deserved, he took upon himself. The question is, What what shall we do in response to this truth that the Son of God, knowing what was ahead of him, fell to the ground and said to his Father, not my will, but your will be done. What do we now do? We who are on this other end and read it in the Bible, a record of a true account, what do we do? He went through it. We who are on this side, what do we now do? Number one, let us repent from all our sin. Turn away from sin, my brother, my sister. God hates sin. Jesus knows the anger of the Father towards sin. And that's why he prayed, take this cup from me. It wasn't an easy cup to drink. The wrath of God is dreadful. God hates sin. Sin attracts the wrath of God. However, I want you to know this morning that God loves you and he wants to spare you the cup of his wrath. Turn away from sin. Repent. And here's the good news. He will forgive you and by his grace he will save you. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that is his remarkable overwhelming gift of grace to believers is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Will you give him praise in the house today? We serve a gracious God. We serve a merciful God. Wow. Jesus chose to submit and experience the wrath of God. So that when you turn to him and ask for mercy, it is mercy you will receive. Secondly, walk out your salvation. I want to speak to everyone in this place that says that I am born again. Listen, our salvation came at a high price. Jesus would suffer to purchase our salvation. Sin will destroy you and your relationship with God. Do not take your salvation for granted. You just take a moment and think about the stress that Jesus was experiencing. You cannot take that for granted. It's like a parent who gives up everything to provide for their child and their child just goes away and squanders their life, wasting everything the parent has provided for them. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 to 27, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? who was treated as an unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You know what, friends? If we do not work out our salvation, we will end up experiencing the wrath of God. Will you honor the death of the Lord? Will you offer, honor the sacrifice, the suffering? Will you think back on that moment and he fell to the ground and said, not my will but yours be done? May you come to that place and say, I cannot take for granted who you are, God begin to live as he desires. Finally surrender your life to the will of God. Surrender every area of your life to God. Let your life exist for the will of God. Let your life exist for the pleasure of Jesus. Let your life exist for the glory of Jesus. Regardless of what it costs you. To choose the will of God means you're going to kiss what is dearest and best to you goodbye. People, things, platforms, opportunities. But like Jesus, our attitude every day must be not my will, but your will be done in my life, God. Because I know that what you have for me is far better than anything that this world can offer me. And like Jesus, every day we say not my will but your will be done. Friends, it is our Savior who'd eventually hang on that cross that struggled in the Garden of Gethsemane because he was fully man, but he was a perfect man. And he said, Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And on the other end of his obedience is you and I here today. My prayer is that there will be so many more people bowing down to the will of the Father so that they may be saved and experience the cup of salvation and not the cup of his wrath. In Jesus' name. Would you thank him for the word today? Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we can never understand the stress that you felt in that moment as you literally were near. To the experience of your father's wrath. We can never understand it. And yet you chose it. So that we may experience peace with God. We are so thankful. We are so grateful. That you chose the will of the father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want us to continue in this moment of prayer. And I want to ask you, my brother, my sister, here in person, joining us online and on air Have you repented of your sin? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you born again? Are you saved? Because the will of God, our Heavenly Father, is that you will be saved. And I hope you hear His voice calling you to turn away from your sin and surrender your life To his son Jesus. I hope you hear him standing at the door of your heart. And he's knocking. He's saying let me in. I want to save you. Because none of us can save ourselves. Only Jesus saves. I want to invite you to give your heart to Jesus. Turn your back on sin. And experience the cup of salvation thank you for listening we hope this encourages you to step into the new tune in next time as we delve into the word of God for comments and feedback or counseling write to connect at watotochurch.com